in the order. Go in the order of the way we clap. Do so we have to say hi, Craig? We do, yeah. Wait, why are we going to say hi, Craig? Well, we already said it, so I'm going to consider that the start of the podcast. Hi, Craig! <laughs> hi, Craig. <laughs> Wait, what did you want us to do? Say hi, Craig, in the order that we, like... No! No, 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 because no. last time we introduced ourselves, you before we started the podcast, you were like, okay, you go first, then you second, and you third. Oh, like we I, we actually like planned out who was going to say hi yeah, first. Yeah, because we always do the, hi, hi, Hello. I'm Emma, <laughs> like that, and it's awkward, so. I could also just do this, hi, I'm JJ, I'm joined by my co-hosts Parvathy and Emma, and this is the Silver Hour Film oh, Club. Oh, wow. Okay, That's speak impressive. for us. Okay. <laughs> I think we should keep all this in. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm planning on. To keep oh, great. All this Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was my introduction for all of us, unless you guys wanted to say something else. No. No. I think you summed it up pretty well. All right, we're chilling. The Let's women who need it. no introduction. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That is so good. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I said that as a joke. No, no but I'm using that next week. But we have oh, a guest God. next week who's not a woman, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll need an introduction because it's a guest. Yeah, so. that's true. True. true Anyways, true. let's stop hyping up next week and just finish this week <laughs> off. Um, Parvati can int- introduce what we're talking about because we have uh, a full plate of movies. Oh, oh. yes. Yes, lots of flavors on our plate, too. But mm. um, recently, I became a little bit very much into your Ghost Lanthimos movies and I wanted to talk primarily about The Favorite and along with like discussions with his other films too uh, but The Favorite because it's my favorite film of his and I just think, feel like there's so much to talk about. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Pun intended or no? Was that intentional? Oh the no, favorite actually. Is but... your favorite? Ha <laughs> 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 ha. Anyway. Actually, okay, okay. You know how JJ changes the his like top four films in his letterbox to like match the same color palette. I do that too. Um, okay, okay, okay. On well, one time, one time I was on his profile just to just to like see what he had changed it to, and I saw that his favorite was in his top four favorites, and I was like, haha, funny. <laughs> oh, that's when I had like the all pale. Oh, I like yeah. That, that, was, that nice. was nice. I like I that liked one when too. you did that too. It was pretty. Yeah, that's at Joe7June on Letterboxd. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go yeah. ahead. We, we interrupted I'm so you. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, we're here to talk about your ghost because he's kind of a genius in my opinion. And I genuinely have not seen anything like the movies he has made. Um, and yeah. So, if you guys want, okay, I can read, like, the Google description of The Favorite, because I don't really know how to, like, describe it, but, um, okay, The Favorite. In the early 18th century, England is at war with the French. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, <Even> the French. <laughs> Lafayette? Yes. Nevertheless, no. <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, duck racing and pineapple eating are thriving. A frail Queen Anne <laughs> occupies the throne, and her close friend, Lady Sarah, governs the, the country in her stead while attending to Anne's ill health and mercurial temper. Ooh, wow. <laughs> when a new servant, Abigail, arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. Sarah takes Abigail under her wing, and Abigail sees a chance to return to her arist- aristocratic roots. <laughs> I could not just stand by and let you destroy me. <laughs> you are 
of Yorgos's films. I before the favor I hadn't seen any of his films. I actually I didn't really even know who he was, but now I'm glad because he's such an interesting and like unique director as you guys were saying. And I just love his style of directing, like the way it's so like voyeuristic and you feel like you don't want to watch but also you really want to watch it's it obviously that's what voyeuristic means but um, <laughs> and it's like intrusive too like you feel like you're being pushed into this film and you're like oh should i be should i be like here no okay i'm still gonna watch and it's just interesting and fun and i think it's really cool and i commend him for going against traditional filmmaking because i think it's good Yep. <laughs> but that's all I gotta say, really. That's cool. Um, my experience actually first watching it was kind of similar to yours, where my little sister had actually seen it, and she really didn't like it. And so I yeah. went into it being like, oh, no. And also, um, I had seen, like, trailers for it and stuff, and I had... I, I think I told you guys this before, but I had expected it to be something like the movie Emma, just, like, oh. going into... <laughs> like, the way that the trailer showed it, I was like, oh, it's just gonna be this, like, little, like, like fun case. little thing. Yeah. 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 But it's gonna be, like, kind of fun to watch, something like that. But then, um, yeah, my sister came, comes back with this feedback that it's, like, really weird and really, like, bad. And I was like, oh, no. Because I also, like, looked at the cast and I was like, wait, this looks, like, good, though. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah. yeah. And I also didn't know who Yorgos was until, like, this year, <laughs> I think. And I finally watched The Lobster and I was like, wait, this guy's kind of cool. And then mm. I watched The Favorite right after that and I realized I really love him. Like, he's very good. And then yesterday, but le- the last two days, I watched Dogtooth and Killing of a Sacred Lamb. But, Dear. yeah, it was it was a similar experience <laughs> where I, like, went into it thinking it was going to be bad. But I just loved it so much. And I think just, like, his style is so, like, even though The Favorite does vary a lot from his other movies too i feel like it's still such an interesting it's still so unique from other people's forms of like directing especially with period pieces too because i often feel that with period pieces they feel very stale and i know exactly what to expect and it's it's just gonna be the same like la-di-da whatever happens they drink tea kind of stuff but (laughs) like in this I feel like in this one, like, you feel very connected to all the characters because everyone is so flawed, yet everyone is so powerful in what they're able to do. And having, like, that idea of three women that are able to control so much and, like, playing with that amount of power is just such an interesting concept to me. And I think I just love the way that it was done and the way it was shown. And, like, the voyeurism and, like, just everything combined is just such an interesting way to, like, really display this. And I think... Another thing for me, too, is, like, I'm a sucker for, like, people who are pretty accurate to, like, historical events, too. Because then I'm, like, they actually created, like, a whole story and, like, a way of seeing how history was portrayed beforehand. And although um, Yorgo says that it's not really, this shouldn't be taken as, like, a history lesson per se, but a lot of it is based in fact. And so he's just kind of filling up the gaps with, like, his own imagination of what possibly could have happened. So, like, at the time... um, Abigail's character in real life, she does come to power for some reason in like in actual historical times, but they don't know exactly why. And so it's him filling up this like uh, this uh, this sort of like love story competition thing within this time period, which I think was super cool. And yeah, was there anything any like specific like scenes you guys really like? Oh, I was just about to ask. Do you know if the bunnies that was real? If she actually? Oh, I don't know. 
Oh, I, I don't, don't know, know but if it's that's real. <laughs> I don't know so about cool. the bunnies, but I do it's know that cool. she did. It's really sad, but it's it's, it's interesting. It's crazy how but many the bunnies... bunnies there are because that how what their bunnies represent. So it's, just, I know. Like, it's kind of heartbreaking so to see how many bunnies there are. Yeah, what the bunnies represent is actually real, though. That actually did happen. Oh yeah, okay. I know that. I just wonder if she did actually, actually had have that rabbits. many. I don't know. I'll look that up. <laughs> Oh, I wanted yes. to bring this up about Yorgos's films. They all seem to have like mm-hmm. something to do with animals. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. Know, just, yeah, so obviously the lobster killing of the sacred deer, but the favorite mm-hmm. also it's like the rabbits are a big like you know metaphor, and the ducks, the duck racing. How could you forget? Oh yeah, Horatio, the fastest duck in the city. <laughs> I know you jumped at the scenes, but I'll just say that first duck racing scene where it's presented in like this epic slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great scene. Okay, she didn't actually have rabbits. I'm sorry to inform. Oh, movie yeah. ruined. Three movie out of ten. Movie ruined. Everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, guys. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Anyway, sorry. Continue what you're saying. Um, I, I was just shouting out the duck scene. <laughs> oh yeah, duck scene's good. Solid and scene. The presence of animals in Yorgos's films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to what Emma said about like it's like kind of intrusive to what we're watching. I love it. Um, I love that. I know. I know this is a lot in the lobster, but like people would mm-hmm. like add details that are like so unnecessary. But it's like with this like vein of politeness. It's kind of like Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate, <laughs> during yeah. the Mrs. Rob, but like less emotional. So it's like kind of like uh-huh. flat, but like this still like facade of like politeness, and they're just adding these details. Um, I can't recall a specific line in my head, but, like, just basically the whole script is like that, so just pull any line. And it just, it feels, like, wrong, even though what they're saying is technically, like, correct and truthful. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, like, it's just very funny to me. And, um, one of my favorite reviews was, I think it's from Carson Rundquist. It's, like, imagine directing this movie, and he's talking about the lobster. And it's just, (laughs) and it's just crazy that, like, your ghost is basically doing the opposite of like what directors do like sort of like oh bring out the emotion you know we want to see your levels like up here you know we want to see the Mm -hmm. internal conflict he's like strip all of that away and it's very interesting to see the actors deliver like these very like straightforward it's not even like monotone though it's like it's just something Mm -hmm. off about i know it's so hard to describe like it really is so difficult but and it's so cool though and like i said Mm -hmm. before i commend him for doing that and for making his film so unique and different and just like no i wouldn't say also i i was gonna say like creating this very unique style but like you said it is kind of key work at the same time but it feels so just unique and weird and random and i like it a lot and it's yeah, i think I all of his too. films really stand out but also i would say that oh his style um because of how unique it is i found that like from other people who have seen his films it's really hit or miss for them Mm -hmm. like people typically like him or they don't like him but even still he's directing them in the way that he wants to and i think that's really commendable and i think a lot of unique directors also have that type of flair to them where they're like well i'm gonna do it this way because I can. And I think they make them more interesting movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I really love that he has, like, that his style is his characters, like, speaking really monotonously, too. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, in a way, it allows you to step into, like, whatever 
messed up world he's going to bring you into also. Mm -hmm. Like, you're able to, you're more easily able to, like, integrate whatever idea it is that he's trying to, like, scream at you. But it's just such a, it's like in a way so that all the characters feel very numb. You don't feel specifically, like, attached to, like, you might feel attached to them, but it's not in a way that's, like, very emotional. It's just like, oh, this character is doing this and this is what their dynamic is. And you just see them for being as people, not specifically as certain characters and I was watching a few interviews um of people like talking about what it's like to be directed by him and stuff and one big thing that everyone talks about is just that Yorgos doesn't explain anything like when he's directing you he'll be like (laughs) yeah like he like a lot of directors they're like they discuss with actors like their motivations and like what they what they're thinking about and how they should be feeling and to evoke this kind of emotion from them but instead he trusts the actors to let it play out and see how it goes and if he doesn't like something he'll like give a note and be like uh maybe like a little bit like this or like a little bit like this but even Mm -hmm. when he is doing that he doesn't try to shape them or mold them a certain way he just kind of trusts them with the flow of what how things go um, and he basically trusts like the actor to create the character more than he does with his own like, written words or like discussion or anything. And I just thought it was, it's really interesting because even with like Colin Farrell has worked with him on The Lobster and um, Killing of the Sacred Deer. And when he was yeah, and when he was talking about working on Killing of the Sacred Deer, which came out after The Lobster, um, he was saying that wait, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, Hold yeah, on. that's correct. Yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's because Lobster came out 2015, I think, and then Killing with Sacred Deer came out 2017. But he was saying that, like, everyone on set didn't even have to be told to, like, speak monotonously on Killing with Sacred Deer because everyone already knew his style, so they're like, we might as well just, like, go with that flow. Yeah. So it was, like, literally never said, and they just kind of, like, went with it. And he was like, so yeah, cool. it's good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just so cool because I... Because, like, his, like, his directing aesthetic itself is so calming, too, and just so, like, with the way that he has his actors act, too. It's just so cool to me. See, I feel like calming, I know it is kind of calming, but I feel like calming's not the right word. It feels like tension's just gonna pop any second. Like, something's about to, like, explode, because it seems like characters are repressing all these emotions Mm. that they're not, like, allowed to say for some reason, (laughs) whether it be, like, the society or, like, the world that's holding them down. Um... Yeah, I was going to bring up, like, how each of the four films that I've seen each seem to have, like, its own unique world around them. But Mm -hmm. uh, just because you mentioned the note with Colin Farrell, I'm just, like, really... It must speak to, like, the lengths of how, like, good of a director Yorgos is to work with, considering how much Colin Farrell goes through in The Lobster. Like, there's literally a part (laughs) where he's, like, digging his own grave and he's, like, throwing dirt on his face. And it's like, yeah, this guy will totally work with this director again, totally. I love Colin Farrell. (laughs) That's another thing, too. I love that... I want to watch Killing of a Sacred Deer because Colin Farrell's, like, one of my favorite actors. Just, I think he's a really cool guy. But also, that is, like, crazy that he's still... But, you know, it, like you said, he's a cool director. He's a fun director to be around, so... <laughs> unique, very interesting. I like what you were saying with the people just being like, well, I mean, we know the style that he likes, so we'll just <laughs> talk in that way. That's funny. Yeah. That's so cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I was also going to say, like, he is building, like, a really talented pool of actors for his English films, like Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Colman. Like, mm-hmm. they've all appeared oh. in multiple films of his, and it's mm-hmm. it's a really good pool he's building. Hopefully Emma Stone works with him more again, because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but her performance in The Favorite is my favorite performance of hers, even though I know we all love La La Land. And I yeah, love yeah. Her, but <laughs> I mean, I think... it doesn't compare. I agree. I no, feel like oh, really? No way. Okay. That's awesome. I don't know. I feel like her performance in The Favorite is, like, 
up here i'm holding my hand yeah. really high i realize <laughs> but it's like up here and then her performance in la la land i don't even think it's on the same like bar the same plane because it's yeah. not it's not at all similar and they shouldn't be and i think like her performance in the favorite is just so good i think it's so like crazy talented and unique and weird but i think everyone's performance in the favorite is so good too Mm -hmm. because i was thinking about it and i was like oh who who did i like the most and i was like (laughs) oh that's so hard (laughs) i don't know yeah even um the guy who plays um abigail's like the guy who marries her i don't know his name i don't know (laughs) either but i know he's great too (laughs) and he's also just a minor character Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I thought I was afraid you're gonna diss La La Land. It no. should be like La La Land is up here, but like the favorite is even upper here. Yeah, I'm raising yeah, my hand yeah, extra yeah. high. But like, I, I don't like... <laughs> even think like you could compete with that. <laughs> it's because she has a. It's the character has such range, and she's given so much yes. freedom to like explore, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. really like every kind of emotion. And the story of her character, it kind of drives the film because she's kind of presented as a main character in a way. It's like the person who comes in to disrupt the system. But it turns out she just kind of plays into it and she's like, she actually really does belong in like a political like scheming type of way. The way she like manipulates her way to power Mm -hmm. and just like the people who get pushed aside when people try to like rise in influence like that. But yeah, she starts off literally getting pushed into the dirt and being like disrespected by everyone around her to one of the most powerful people um it's a really riveting performance and story to watch very true yeah also like her accent is so good like i don't think i've ever seen an american actor do as like as good a british accent as she did i don't know have you guys (laughs) seen any do you feel like there's any performances that actually compare to her accent I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself really good at identifying accents. Like, honestly, oh. I think, Rob, like, I, I, people, like, shit on Robert Downey Jr.'s accent from the Sherlock Holmes movie, and I'm just like, yeah, it's fine, you know? Like, you know, I don't really have an ear for that stuff. But um, I, you, have you guys seen those videos on YouTube of, like, uh, it's like a speech expert, like, analyzing accents in movies? And he's, oh, like, so yeah. detailed. He's like, the way they move their mouth and, yes. like, when they say this word. I feel like he would really like Emma Stone's performance. Hopefully, I'm not wrong <laughs> about that. But Maybe he has a video. We don't even know. That'd <laughs> yeah. be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, her accent's great. I've seen people like in comments like, oh, her accent's so amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, okay, I want to bring this up. I was playing a game with Parvati where we would play like the voices of actors. And we have <laughs> yeah. to identify who the actor is. Really? The That's other- fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I played a clip from The Favorite when Parthi hadn't seen it yet. And, like, I tried to... She tried to... She had to guess Emma Stone. But it took her a while because her accent was just so good. No oh, offense. Yeah. To- <laughs> good job, <laughs> Emma Stone. <laughs> good job, but, yeah. Emma Stone. Not so good job, Parvati, but that's okay. That's <laughs> fine. You got yeah. there eventually. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, like, speaking of range for characters, I just thought, like, Queen Anne's range is yes. crazy. Yes! <laughs> yeah. I love Queen and, Anne. <laughs> and, like, Olivia Coleman, she when she was, like, talking about playing Anne also, she was saying that, like, her main goal as an actress is to be able to, like, find, is to be able to, like, do everything. Like, do whatever, do everything. And she that. felt like I Queen Anne that. was, like, the one character that just explored every human emotion possible. And I think that's such a perfect description of, like, how that's her so cool. personality is the whole time, too. I just, I, I love it. It's crazy. Because she's such a, she's so, like, unstable the entire time. I and I feel like it's just, I don't know. I just, it was so fun to watch. It's so entertaining. And I feel like she's, like, one of the 
the sole pieces that keep the movie going, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I love Queen Anne. I think she's probably my favorite character in it. I think because <laughs> she's so interesting. Like, I feel like every time you see her, she's kind of just different every mm-hmm. time that you see her, mm-hmm. which is just, I don't know, and I love Olivia Coleman, so I also might, might be biased because I love her. She's so amazing. She's <laughs> so, Olivia Coleman's great. Yeah, she's so, like, funny. <laughs> like no, she's, a she's so funny, and she seems like such a nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen Fleabag. Is she great in that? She is so she is great, great in Fleabag. In Fleabag. <laughs> oh, my God. Incredible. I love her. I love her. Yeah, we both said that. Same, but <laughs> she's just amazing, and so I feel like I I would be biased though, because her character is my favorite. But I also feel like I'm just like, oh, it's Olivia Coleman. Oh my god. <laughs> so I feel like I she's definitely one of those people. She's definitely one of those like shapeshifter people where it's like there's there's like specific characters where you end up hating like the image of the person even though they're just like the actor for it like mm-hmm. a lot of like Harry Potter fans hate the actress for who plays um, Umbridge but she's, she's like not a bad funny, person she's hilarious she's a comedian mm-hmm. in real life like she's been in comedy shows like all of her whole career she's been doing like comedy television which I think is hilarious that she plays like <laughs> the worst person ever <laughs> I know like most people hate her more than they hate Voldemort which I think makes no, sense everyone but, does everyone yeah. hates her more than Voldemort because she's literally I know so, so then horrible. you see her face and you're I feel like you see her face and you're kind of like triggered by her but then like I someone am. like Olivia <laughs> Coleman, she's like able to play such a like huge range of like characters too that you just see her in these different lights and it's like sometimes I feel like within this movie itself too since she's so different in every scene of it too like sometimes you think she's gonna be like reasonable and like a normal human being but sometimes she's gonna be like crazy and off the walls and then her character in Fleabag is just like a horrible person (laughs) and it's just love her character in Fleabag yeah it's just so like I I love it because she just like puts on all these masks and you can like see her in so many different lights and I feel like I don't feel that way about a lot of different actors because they're either like typecasted or they're just like Mm -hmm. put in this position where you have to feel a certain way about them Mm. they're Rick Dalton Basically. Yeah, the Rick Dalton. Yeah, of the, world. the Rick Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> but yeah. I agree a hundred percent because I've seen her in so many different things, and I do. I don't. I just see her as like Olivia Coleman. I don't think of her as like specific character in something. Cause she's just mm-hmm. she does have a lot of yeah. range. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Damn, good job, Olivia Coleman. <laughs> you're um, you're amazing. <laughs> shout out to her performance in Hot Fuzz, even though she's in that movie. For yeah, like two minutes. shout out to her performance. In Hot she's Fuzz. so funny in that movie. I love I, her. <laughs> yeah, but to speak on her range, I think her best like scene of acting in this movie is during the the ball scene, where it's just like a close up on her face, and she's like happy, but then inside you can tell she's like kind of disgusted by the whole like ruling class or whatever and then she just gets angry and she stops the party and just the way her face changes in that one shot is just that was the range Mm -hmm. of emotion right there for me yeah and um she definitely deserved her oscar that year and her speech is one of my favorite oscar speeches of all time same it was so cute it was so like Uh humble (laughs) yeah someone like genuinely like happy that they won the award i know it was Mm -hmm. such it felt so genuine i feel like i didn't realize until that point the Oscar speeches just seem so fake. Yeah. <laughs> but hers was so genuine. And now I'm like when I'm listening to Oscar speeches, I'm like 
Uh, That's so, no Olivia Coleman. This is an Olivia know, Coleman is, level. This is not Olivia Coleman. Like she would, <laughs> she wipes the floor with all of your speeches. You guys are pathetic. <laughs> but you know, even, even if during it's like, like this year's Oscars, like she was a presenter. Sorry, I'm interrupting real quick. Yeah, but no, go ahead. I <laughs> loved her little like bit because she started off with this whole like comedic act of her doing her like. <laughs> over like humble thing and it was like really cute and genuine talking about her husband (laughs) and and then she goes into like a really just quick sentence about the seriousness of acting that she was presenting the male actors award she's like i hope i could find a clever thread connecting all these but the genius is that there is none and i just that's like so great (laughs) like even if she didn't write that just the way she delivered everything yeah no she's great i think no one will ever top her speech and that <laughs> I just love it. She she wins the Oscar for best speech <laughs> at the Oscars. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah. We should have if we ever do like an Oscars episode, we should all just find like a speech we really like and like present it and be like, this is the best Oscar <laughs> yes. speech. We can't choose her speech because we already know she wins. <laughs> so we have to choose sure someone not. else's speech. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but um, going back to the favorite and like uh, your ghost's kind of way of directing and things. Um, I, I feel like I really enjoy, so I, I like, I know me and JJ were talking about like how I said it was like kind of calming, but at the same time, it also feels like you're constantly in danger of something happening. You're constantly like in anticipation of something happening. Um, that's what JJ said, but, um, I feel like that's, I feel like that, (laughs) I feel like, uh, Yorgos has a good balance of both because he keep thing he keeps things in a very like the way he sets his characters first of all to act in that way to make you feel like already kind of anxious about what's going to happen but also it just feels like you are never safe with anything you're never completely safe because something unexpected always comes back around and happens so even if you feel like you're in a safe moment or a very like there's some kind of harmony that's finally starting to be created in this kind of chaotic world Something ha- something else happens to like jump right back in and be like, no, never mind. But you're actually not safe. Something else is gonna happen. And I feel like that's such a common thing that he does in all of his films too. So you never really feel like you know exactly what's gonna happen. And I usually really just like hate super predictable movies. While a lot of people enjoy like a lot of cliches and things, I feel like when I know when. I'm going into watching one of his movies. I'm going to be surprised in some way. He's going to make me think about something differently some way and stuff. And I think that's, like, my main reason why I wanted to talk about his movies, too. Because it's just so so thought-provoking. I yeah. agree. I 100%. I think, yeah, that's the perfect way to describe his films, I feel like. Thought-provoking. Because that's... Every time I've, like, watched one of his films, I've left and just been like, whoa. And I was in this, like, <laughs> trance of just... Like, it was consuming in my brain, and I could just not stop thinking about it. Like, when I watched Dogtooth the first time, oh my god, the whole rest of the day, I was just, like, sitting and just staring, (laughs) and just, like, I was just thinking about everything, and it was crazy, and it kept coming back to me during the week after I watched it, just because it was so, there's so much packed into his films, and there's so much that's not discussed but there also is so much that is discussed. And I, it's so cool. I love it. I love that. I love when films make you think. I feel like mm-hmm. those are the, my favorites. When, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the word favorite just can't be used. Yeah, it episode. can't be said. But what's okay. a synonym of favorite? Like, top? It's... Uh... <laughs> 
Not that was top fifty, but they're actually top five, but they're actually top thirty. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like I love when films do that, and I love when they consume me for like weeks, where I just keep thinking about it. I love that. I think that's why I really like his films, and I really want to watch more of his films. I've only seen Dogtooth, The Favorite, and The Lobster, and you see more. So yes, definitely gonna um, look into that. <laughs> I think a big reason for like his the movie's impact, um, his all all his movies have like a lasting like impression. I think it's because he really knows how to end a movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to dive into specifics, but like his some of his movies have like one of the best endings. Like just the way he knows when to end a story and when to leave it open ended for interpretation. Yes. Um, the lobster and dog tooth come to mind. Those are like my yes. two favorite endings of his. 100%. Those are really fantastic. Um, so Killing of a Sacred Deer, I was kind of disappointed, but at the same time, yeah. um, it made sense. I think looking back on it, and but yeah, but the favorite uh, that's that ending's interesting too because it drags itself out for a long time, and that's part of its power. I think because it's showing the abuse of power, but at the same time, it's showing a lot of character moments about the queen finally... Oh, we're going to spoil the favorite. Like, that's the one movie. That's <laughs> okay. It's, like, it's the one we're, like, mainly talking about. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the one part when the queen realizes, like, when Abigail is, like, not actually someone who is, like, like Care Sarah. And yeah. she's, like, trying to, like, push her power on Abigail one last time and Abigail being forced to, like... Um, massage her leg i think that's what she's doing and that scene is so uncomfortable and it goes on for about three and a half minutes i think yeah <laughs> and i think it's great that's like it, it just kind of sums up the whole movie because the entire movie is mm-hmm. about power it's about influence and in the end you know it's like the queen has the power but she's still suffering tremendously yeah um, they both didn't get what they wanted in a way <laughs> yeah and i just and that's why I think Yorgos's films have such an impact because of the way they end. And, Very true. Um, yeah, some of my favorite endings in film in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I, I agree with you saying that he knows exactly when to end it too because I feel like a lot of people try to milk what they've already created in the movie too and they're like, ooh, let's let's give them more to think about or they end it and it's very like definitive what's what probably was the ending too. And I know a lot of people find, like, ambiguous endings to be very, like, pretentious and, like, I just, like, annoying, kind of. I love how they are. No, I so it. do I. Because I feel like if, oh, you, if you watch that movie... You guys are film students. I will acknowledge that they're pretentious. That's where I stand away from. <laughs> like, they go, it's not pretentious. It's in the... No, no, it is pretentious. But I like it. <laughs> I, I also feel like it just... It goes very well with, like, his style of creating a story, too. Because if you're going to go mm-hmm. through all of that... Like, everything that you go through in one of his movies to watch, it's like... I feel like for me with his movies, it's kind of like... You go into it a little bit anxious about what's going to happen because the world seems too calm <laughs> and then something really traumatically like horrible happens and you're like, whoa there. And it like establishes the tone for the whole movie. And then you kind of go through the rest of it like waiting to see what's going to happen. And then the ending is left ambiguous. So you, the viewer, have like your own kind of experience of what it's like or your inter- own interpretation of it. And I feel like to go through that whole process while watching one of his movies and to have a definitive ending is not really worth it. In a way, because if it's going to be so, if it's going to introduce you to this new topic that makes you question things about like society or like power or uh, relationships or whatever it is that he's actually trying to aim at people in his movies, if you're not going to, 
if you're going to introduce those topics for people to really think about it and not give them like room to actually determine what they think would happen I don't think it's worth like putting together a movie in that way yeah and I feel like that's that's like another thing that makes me really drawn to his movies too because I feel like even if people think it's pretentious, I think it's needed in his style. And if it's not, it feels like a like a kind of like a cop out to me, or the way he would end things. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't have like if you took the favorite and like took away all like his style, it literally would just be so bare. It would probably be like normal period pieces. Not to say <laughs> that they're all bad, but mm. <laughs> but I mean, there's not much to them. They're pretty straightforward. They have. A beginning middle and end there's not a lot of like thought there pretty much it's very just straightforward but the way that he uses his style and i agree with like ambiguity ambiguity in his films it makes them far more interesting than any other story of similar style i think yeah um when I, f- when I first heard of The Favorite, I think I was, like, in the common room of my dorms and, like, a little TV spot came on and people were like, oh, what's this period piece? And they might be lesbians, <laughs> question mark. And it's Fun. like, I, but, like, <laughs> from just the few clips, I'm like, this style just seems so familiar to me. It's, it, it, like, reminds me of something. And it's like, oh, it reminds me of The Lobster. And I searched it up and was like, oh, my God, it's the same director. Whoa. And that's when I got really excited. That's so yeah. cool that you could, mm-hmm. like distinguish his style right away i mean because i didn't even know who he was before i saw the favorite so i wouldn't have had that connection (laughs) but that just proves that his style is so unique and it's so distinctive and it's so easy to spot even from like a tv spot on like the like that's really cool Mm -hmm. and i love i love what you're saying though about how it like adds so much like flavor to like a standard period piece yes and yeah, I just like I was just hearing your guys' reactions about how other people you've talked to didn't like it. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. yeah, the first time I saw the favorite, I saw it in like a theater, and there was it was like a matinee, so there wasn't a lot of people. But mm-hmm. there was like these two ladies older in front of me, and they hated the movie. When and oh, it was like, that was the <laughs> stupidest movie I've ever seen, and I was like, oh my god, that ending made me so uncomfortable. But um, they were. It, I just I think. It's just so off-putting to normal audiences, his style. Yes. Not to be like, now this is sounding I really know, it is pretentious. <laughs> we're film majors. But I, yeah, it's what makes it unique. I think that's what makes the favorite, like, surpass, like, a period piece that you'd see, like, of that time. Mm-hmm. Even though I wouldn't consider myself an expert on period yes. pieces. <laughs> I've seen a lot, and I'm ashamed to admit, I've seen quite a lot of period pieces <laughs> in my time. <laughs> Do I like them? No. But that's okay. <laughs> but a period piece can be, like, any period, right? Yeah, it's no, like, I feel like yeah. I've seen some really good ones, but for the most part... <laughs> I mean, like, Apparently every British actor has been in at least one period piece Oh, before. 100%. <laughs> I could tell you which one they've been in. I Like, that is fact. <laughs> Just because they need a lot of people in those... In period piece. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many actors in one film, because, like, you have to have, like... I don't know, I feel like it's a very large group of people, but that's, like, so random. I don't know, <laughs> period pieces are so odd. It's, I feel like it's, you know it exists, but, like, you don't at the same time. You're like, oh, there's period piece movies, that's interesting. I didn't really <laughs> think those were real, oh. <laughs> but I feel like when we talk about period pieces, I think we're mainly referring to, like, that time in history, though, like, not oh, yeah, I would, Europe specifically, I would 100% but like, agree with that. Yeah. 
I find that that's typically... Yeah, that's what you would think when think period pieces. But I don't. But know I would what consider like what an eighties film, film, like a film that takes no. like a nostalgic, <laughs> like not a film that coming out of the eighties, but like uh, like a Stranger Things, like something that takes place. In the <laughs> would, would that be considered a period piece? I don't, I don't know. know. We'll I wouldn't consider definition. it a period piece because it takes place during a certain period of time. <laughs> okay, like, technically you could say that about any film. Then you can say yeah, exactly. That's what I'm then. saying. That's what I'm saying. A period. Uh, no, but I'm like a. A time in the past, that's what I'm referring to as period piece. Yeah. Okay. Like, the, would the handmaiden be considered a period piece? Um, so Kinda, right? The yeah. definition of a period piece is a work that is set in strong, in or strongly reminiscent of an earlier historical period. So I guess. <laughs> but that just, but then you would have to define what historical is, and you would have to set <laughs> the, the time frame for you. Because, like, how historical is historical? Like, would you argue that like, the 80s is historical? is historical? I don't know if I would say. I mean, that's, that's 40 years ago now, which is crazy. That's but, only um, 40 years ago. <laughs> only 40. A lot can yeah. happen in 40 years, Emma. I know, but I feel like... I don't know. I feel like that just is very <laughs> dependent on... Oh, yeah, no. I don't know. That's... I feel like <laughs> it's really hard to describe. But, like, period piece, like tangent aside i think my favorite like <laughs> the way it like separates itself i think it still feels really modern because like mm-hmm. the themes around power and influence of course that's universal and will always last and i think it really hits home uh that theme because the whole movie is about manipulation of power and how these yeah. two sides influence kind of like a puppet leader in a way and they used their like personal lives to do so and it's just it's just so much fun, I think, as well. It's funny, it's entertaining, is. but at the same time, it's really dramatic. And mm-hmm. the stakes are actually really high. Um, Nicholas Holt's character is always bringing up the war. And you know people are dying, but it's not sp- explicitly showing mm-hmm. you war. But you know, like, th- this is, like, the behind the scenes. And these are where the real decisions are being made. And I'd, it's really good how he captures this whole world. And I'm, I, I'll talk about Yorgos's worlds if we talk about his other films later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah, but um, I think another thing that I feel like uh, also distinguishes this for me is that like I feel like often in period pieces, I haven't seen a lot, but I feel like a lot of times I feel more detached from it because they're talking about the specifics of what's happening in their lives too, so it feels very um, irrelevant to how I feel, but um, mm-hmm. Yorgos, he talked about how he made sure that in the writing they don't talk about specifics of the war, like really, really deep specifics, so you can focus more on the power dynamics of everyone happening so that the it can really be relevant to any time period and you can relate it to even today and things too. And I thought that was really valuable too because in that way it also makes it feel very modern because you can see yeah. these common tropes and these common uh, recurrences of people in power as well. And I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, he's very smart <laughs> about all very of these things. Very smart. He seems like yeah. such an intelligent person. Like, I, I, I feel like in any, any interview I've seen in him, I'm like, oh, he, he's very intimidating with, like, <laughs> knowledge. And I feel like I would seem like an idiot if I talked to him. <laughs> he looks intimidating, but I haven't actually watched an interview with him, so I don't no, know No, yeah, like, like, his the way he talks, I feel like I was just like, oh, my God, he's really smart. I was rewatching. I, I can't. <laughs> I was rewatching this interview that Timothy Chalamet and Emma Stone have together. And like, they were actors. 
Yeah, and when they were talking about uh, Yorgos, they were like, he's like a man. I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> I feel like if I met him, I'd be so just like, I would stumble with my words so much, I wouldn't know what to say. He Has Timothy so done smart. anything with Yorgos? No, but he's met him before, I think. Okay. Oh man, yeah, really... next next Yorgos film starring Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> uh, the Timothy Chalamet, um, what is it? Renaissance? The overexposure? It's too much. <laughs> he's, but he's working. He's working with like every talented director he can find. So I think eventually he'll get to Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> I hope he does. That'd be so cool. Yeah. All right, so let's move more into segments. I know Parvati brought up because of any favorite scenes earlier, but I think we still had a lot to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> but, definitely. But if you guys want to shout out scenes in this movie or like any other of his movies, that'd be awesome. Like now's the time, I guess. Um, in all of his movies, oh my god! <laughs> I <have to> think <laughs> back. I could start with the favorite. Um, sure. I just, if you want to like just encapsulate the movie in one scene, I would go with the shooting scene. The the mm-hmm. I think it's the first one. The one where uh, Sarah, or it might be the second. I don't know how many. There's a, there's a good amount of shooting scenes. It's like let's go shoot some ducks. Yeah. It's like that's the one pastime they have. Is to go fun, shoot some ducks. Fun pastime. <laughs> fun Sunday the, afternoon pastime. You know, chill. <laughs> It's the scene where wait, we're quick tangent. Have you guys seen The Crown? Yeah, I've seen I've okay. seen the first season. Okay, in the fr- I think it's in the first episode, so it's fine. The duck shooting scene where they go on their little boats and start shooting ducks. Uh-huh. Remember that scene? That's such a great scene. The music that plays, it's so epic. It's like, dang, that makes me want to go out on a little boat and shoot some ducks. Uh, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah. Top 10 quotes that JJ's going to regret in 10 years. True. Well, I want to go out and shoot some ducks? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever had quail egg before? Quail egg is great. Animal okay. cruelty. I had a stuffed oh, animal quail gosh. as a child. <laughs> if you want to talk about animal cruelty, I think an animal literally dies in all of Yorgos' films. Um, wait, not... Well, technically, I don't want to say anything about killing of a oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyways, back to the shooting scene. So, yeah, I think the power relationship between Abigail and Sarah throughout the movie is reflected in those scenes as Abigail, like, slowly, like, gains power there and she becomes a better shot. Eventually, like, one of the favorite, sort of shooting a duck and, like, blood splatting on Sarah's face. Great. But my favorite is the one where Sarah fakes shooting a gun at Abigail, and it's like you'd never know when a pellet's loaded or not. Such a great scene between these two actresses, and it's just so satisfying to watch. And the way it's shot, too, it's just, I, I, would, I always go back to rewatch that scene. That's like my YouTube scene for this movie. It's like if I ever want to get a little taste of the favorite without watching the whole movie, I just pop that scene on because I think it's a little nice little microcosm of the whole movie. But yeah, that would be my scene for the favorite. Yeah, I probably, I was going to say that was probably my scene as well, too. <laughs> I, I agree. It's like that scene that's just, you look it up and it's just perfectly encapsulates the feel of the film. And it's also like, I don't know, it's a very entertaining scene as well, I think. Definitely mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Oh, God. I, I think hate the word favorite it- now. <laughs> <laughs> it's my top one. Uh, <laughs> my number yeah, one I think- scene. That's also one of my one of my favorite moments. Oh God, we should count how many times you say favorite in this whole pod. Uh, gosh, gross. <laughs> yeah, but I also I think I really like. Um, I forgot that I really like this scene, but the when when Abigail is first uh, exposed to the fact that um, Sarah and Anne are having a different type of relationship than what she originally thought. I thought that scene when she's like trying to sneak out of the 
It's like the, she's getting a book oh, or something yes. from her library. Oh my gosh, that's a great It's such scene. a good I scene. Totally... Yeah, so because I feel like... I know, it's so, it's like so library, funny to right? watch. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. god, I totally forgot about that scene because I was reading the Wikipedia yeah. plot summary. <laughs> okay, just to refresh. And it's like Abigail spots them having sex. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. When did that happen? But you just brought it back. Yeah, I oh. remember that. It's a great scene. Yeah. And it's so, I think it's really cool too because I feel like I am witnessing it with her too because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm only seeing bits and pieces. I'm hearing a little bit of it. I'm not like yeah. seeing exactly what's happening, but you have such, you already have such a clear idea of what's actually happening too. And it's just such a cool, like, the way she's able to, like, the way she's, like, trying to get away from it and also the way that she's trying to, like, react to it at the same time is just so funny to me. And, like, all of that, I feel, all of that when, I think she, when she's sneaking out, it also leads to that one guy coming up to her and being, like, oh, can you influence the way that the queen thinks about all these things? I think that was right after The one right? guy, Nicholas Holt, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it was, wasn't it his like friend? Him. I thought his friend was trying to convince her. Was it not his friend? I don't remember. <laughs> oh. Okay. None of yeah, us but... have actually technically well seen. The... Wait, did you rewatch it, Emma? I did, but okay. I was. It was late. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. We seem really bad. It's like wow, they didn't even watch the movie that they talked about. <laughs> we did. We've all seen it. Okay. We all have. Yeah, but but that leads me into my night. point about Nicholas Holt's character, because I feel like um also like her way of. Like, Abigail's, like, means of survival throughout the whole movie is, like, based in power, right? So she plays with it with the queen, but she also plays with it with um, Nicholas Holt's character, too, where she's, like, trying to flirt with him and see if there's a way that she can, like, bypass certain things with him, too. And I just think Mm -hmm. it's cool because you can already see, like, her trying to juggle, like, figuring out multiple tactics of getting to the top somehow. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was also very interesting to just see happen. But... Yeah. Also, I was doing more research on the movie, too, and it is... I think Olivia Colman, she talks about how, like, for, like, the film nerds out there, if you see the points in time when um, Sarah's, like, the dominant power taking care of Anne's character versus, like, when you see Abigail's character being the dominant person, like, taking care of her, when it's Sarah, like, all of the food in the room is, like, healthy snacks and, like, fruits and, like, all of these things. But then when it's Abigail, it's, like, cakes and, like, sugared sweets and all of these things. That's you crazy. Already... No yeah. way. Yeah, so they That's already, insane. like, create this aesthetic yeah. of, like, this person <laughs> is actually really bad for you, but they're going to give you what you want as, like, the short-term yeah. happiness. Oh, that's so smart. See, he's intimidating. <laughs> he's intimidating with wisdom. That's why I feel like I would be so afraid of him because he's so <laughs> afraid smart. to talk to Yorgo Santamos. There's yeah. some like, but you know what I, feel I mean? Like he'd There's lock like me those up in a people. hotel or a house, a very nice house. But, <laughs> I mean? but I feel like he's one of those people that is just so intimidating because he's so knowledgeable on so much, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I can't, I can't talk to you because I can't even come to a level of being at like the same wisdom as you that's crazy that's so smart yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like a lot of like um directors and a lot of films like they try to be like super profound and smart and Mm -hmm. like I sometimes it's like do they even really know what they're talking about I feel like he totally nails oh he knows across he's he seems so smart I feel like I just it's so weird. He just seems so so smart. I <laughs> Anyways, I feel like he's one of those people who like 
you know how there's people who like talk a lot and they they try to act like they know all these things and then he's one of those people who doesn't talk a lot he doesn't express a lot of emotion but he knows so much and everything mm-hmm. he says is so like filled with value and filled with like fact and knowledge and wisdom and just it's so cool also when when they were talking about being on set too apparently all of them since he doesn't he apparently doesn't smile a lot when he's directing like he doesn't he doesn't show a lot of emotion but like apparently they would all play a game with each other being like oh did you make him smile that day like did you did you like make him show emotion with like the way you acted was he like satisfied so apparently they played this game like trying to be like oh you got him to smile good job and stuff like that which is so (laughs) funny to me Yeah. I don't know if this is him, but I think when Olivia Coleman won an Oscar, he was like seated like a row behind. I think he ran all the way to the front to congratulate her. I don't know Aww. if that's him for sure. I'll rewatch Olivia Coleman's speech after this. That's, so cool. that's a dose of serotonin, but um, <laughs> I yeah, we'll see. Um Yeah, I wanna talk about like the worlds and all his films. Like mm-hmm. just even the favorite, which is taking place in our world technically. Yeah. It's still like a contained Otherworldly, thing. Otherworldly. Other yeah. I, I think all his films are like contained in a way in some kind mm-hmm. of um or at least the ones I've seen. I still need to watch Alps. I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to watching me that. Me too, me too. Um but yeah, all of his worlds are like kind of contained or they kind of have like their own set of rules that are is like unique to like learn like how does this world work? And I think yeah. that's one of the mysteries of killing of a sacred deer. Like what's the what's off about this world? Something's so off but like what's the what's the rule that these characters all are trying to like or hinting at? Um, but it's all established, of course, in his other films. Like Dogtooth, you know, it's like, what's going mm. on here? But eventually mm-hmm. you learn about the whole... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the letterbox description spoils kind of the plot of it. But Really? It's what well, is that? Yeah. I'm no, glad I didn't read that before I watched it. It doesn't spoil the plot, but it, it spoils the premise. And I oh. didn't even want to... I didn't know what the premise was going in to watch. I also didn't. You yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was, like, really confused about Dogtooth at first, but then once you get it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And the lobster, of course, really cool. is very straightforward with its rules. And I think just the creation of these worlds, even though they don't seem mm-hmm. like these faraway futuristic things, yeah. they're still otherworldly. And that's why yeah, exactly. the performances match that and just the production design, too. Everything seems squeaky mm-hmm. clean in all those movies when, in reality, there's some, like, cr- crazy stuff going on. And mm-hmm. it just, the, all the themes just reflect around the world of each film. And I love it. And The Lobster's World is one of my favorite ever put to Me too, me too. It's so I agree. Unique. It's so cool. And <laughs> just, but also not, but also cool. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the reason why. the themes of the movie. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry, that's yeah, true. Also, I feel like in The Lobster, it's like multiple worlds within each other because it's like um, the people who are. Wait, should I even like I think explain? It, it, yeah, should we spoiler warning for the lobster? <laughs> I guess, but um, yeah, spoiler no, yeah, warning. I, I was gonna lobster. say it's. Um, I know what you're saying, but I feel like it's different societies that are a result mm. of the world that they live in. That's mm-hmm. true. But yeah, I go agree on, with you, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to me, it's like when when you're looking into one of Yorgos's worlds, it's kind of like you are gathering information about like social rules that they all play into Mm -hmm. and things for each one so it's like if someone acts a certain way but it seems to be like normal to them but it's like not normal to us you kind of like start to be more and more interested like what else is normal what else is like out of the ordinary what is like you know like what is expected of these people and I think that's why I think it's so just engaging to 
to see him literally reestablish what like is a social norm in all these ways but it's so dedicated to what it is that you don't feel like it's just like a cop-out of like oh this is just a silly rule this is just like another thing it doesn't feel like and it doesn't it also doesn't feel as extreme as like a dystopian world either it's just like slightly changed from how we modernly think and act in our Mm -hmm. day but it's done so in a way that's so jarring and so like uncomfortable that you're like wait so what else is normal and what else is like weird to these people and I also feel like his um like that's another good way of like why his establishment of his characters being like monotonous too just like leads you right into it because you're like these people don't seem to feel or express anything so maybe this is normal to them maybe this is accepted and yeah Okay, cool. You didn't actually spoil the lobster there, so that's good. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Good job. Very Thank well, you. Very well <laughs> High five. <laughs> Thank you very much. But yeah, um, yeah, we were still talking about scenes. Do you guys have any other scenes from oh. your favorite <laughs> or any other movie, I guess? Well, I was just thinking about like the way it's shot, too, because a lot of I know a lot of people are bothered by some of the shots in it. like The, the fisheye shots? Yeah, like, the fisheye shots and just, like, the very wide lens shots and how... And some of, like, the the shaky, like, uh, dolly shots, I think, too. A lot of people dislike them a lot. Like, they think it's very... It's too showy and it's too distracting from the actual story. But how do you guys feel about it? Um, I don't know if this is true, but I heard it's, like, the fisheyes, like... it It's reminiscent of how paintings um were painted it's it's actually reminiscent of like they used to like painters during the time used to have mirrors that showed the full place like that so it's he's supposed to be okay it's supposed to be like a reference to that but yeah yeah um kind of it's kind of jarring because it's um i i understand why people wouldn't like it i mean i think Mm -hmm. it's fine it doesn't really bother me but i get it's kind of sometimes it's like out of nowhere and it, it doesn't seem to have real thematic relevant it just seems to be out of style which is fine you know it looks nice i think but even Mm -hmm. though it's like out of nowhere um yeah but i think the favorite's beautiful but actually i think my favorite shot yorgos lanthimos film might be um killing of a sacred deer um specifically the hallways in that scene are just so reminiscent of something like the shining um it's very are the because i haven't seen that is it like the camera's high up camera's high up and it's like following yeah. character through yeah hallways. i have seen it, i think i saw the trailer for it and i remember watching that like watching one of the hallway scenes and being like oh interesting i like how it's like <laughs> above yeah it's like cool. tracking shots but it's like not exactly level mm-hmm. with the characters it's like you're floating over them it's fascinating um, i like that very unique oh i didn't mention this or i i mean you guys can go with your scenes i can talk about this later <laughs> you can go are you sure um, <laughs> But okay, um, well, like, scenes from the favorite, so I didn't really, um, in regards to, like, the fisheye and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I didn't really mind it either, I feel like the same what JJ was saying, it kind of, it did, it was a little jarring when I saw it, but at the same time, I was kind of just like, cool, (laughs) (laughs) alright, it didn't really bother me too much, I was kind of just like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, they're trying something out here. But exactly. I feel like, you know, it's like, that's that's just like a mixed response. Like, there's good, like, oh, they're trying it out, looks nice, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really yeah. match like, with the movie. I feel like, to me, the only reason why I could, like, the, the reason why I could justify it that made me feel better about it was, like, um, 
first of all, they're shooting in this really beautiful place, so they want to, like, yes, just, like, show it off, show it off kind of. <laughs> but also, I felt like, in a way, it could play into it uh, thematically, too, because it's, like, when you see it on such a wide angle, you can just see everything. It almost, like, plays into the like the visual aspect of power like it's they're in such a large place and this all belongs to the queen and the country and so in a way to me that kind of reiterates that just a little bit too with the production design too but I feel like a lot of the shots already do that anyway by showing Mm -hmm. like how big the palace is how big her bedroom is she doesn't need that much space but she has it and things so that's kind of how I I felt like it did just contribute to the fact of like making it seem like oh this palace is really big and huge and the pal- the stakes of what everything is happening is really big and huge too but mm-hmm. I did agree that it was a little bit like I didn't feel like I was watching the movie anymore in those moments too I just felt like I was watching someone like with the GoPro like some, some BTS <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no yeah. yeah like I, I get what you're saying like that's a pretty good explanation like how it shows the power but even like some of the times it's used like I think the first time it's used is when Abigail's carriage is arriving and it's in, like, the middle oh, of the yeah. forest, and it's a low angle. I don't see mm-hmm. how that relates to the power. Like, the queen owns this land still, but I don't I don't know. So It's just, like, the way they use it. It's Maybe they could have found better spots to use that kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. angle, but, you know, it's fine. That's, like, I guess if we go into nitpicks, that would be my nitpick of the film. Yeah. I feel like yeah. most people, that would be their nitpick, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we could actually go into nitpicks right now unless you guys have um, other scenes you want to shout out in other films. Um, in other basically, films? Basically, the ending for all those other films I'd like to shout yeah, out. Yeah, I would also... Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Ooh, especially um, The Lobster. I was also going to bring up something that was like referenced in Killing with a Sacred Deer, but you haven't seen Killing with a Sacred Deer, and it also spoils the ending of Lobster, so I will not say it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I feel like we yeah. can spoil The Lobster. Right? Yeah, you can. I would spoil it? the lobster, but then it also spoils killing of. No, I shouldn't say it. It's okay. <gasps> okay, it's fine. It's fine. What? It's fine. Gosh, <laughs> tell, tell it to me after the podcast because I'm I'm now dying of curiosity. Okay. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. For nit- I really for love nitpicks. the lobster so much, actually. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. specifically wanted to talk about those two, I think. Yeah, because. Okay, because I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about those two, because I had heard that Dogtooth was very, very good, and so was Killing of a Sacred, a Sacred Deer, but um, they remain my two favorites of his, because they're just very... I think they just strike me as a lot more um, relevant in their themes, almost. Like, I feel more attached to the, the characters and what actually happens within them, too and the worlds that they live in and also like the boundaries almost even although dogtooth is pretty like because yeah. i think <laughs> i think dogtooth almost feels it feels very like individualistic like it's it's a very small it's like a small family and that's what their bounds are versus like a whole of society is bound to this set of rules if they don't achieve something in lobster if that makes sense yeah and, but i feel like dogtooth it hits its themes amazingly i feel like just focusing on a family really shows the influence of power especially Mm -hmm. what parents hold over their children Mm -hmm. Um, not to get too specific about what happens in dogtooth (laughs) but um yeah i feel like the dogtooth hits every point home with every like scene of manipulation it shows how someone can control every aspect of someone else's life and how they can influence the way they think and how they view the world and that's why the ending is so great, too, not to get into specifics again. But <laughs> I know, but I know what you mean, 100%. It's like, will they escape a world that they've 
that has been built up in their mind. Yeah, I know. Um, it's so good. I feel like the only problem, like Dogtooth pales in comparison to the other films. I think it's with its cinematography. I think he's Agreed. still learning his, uh, like a visual eye that still hasn't been fully developed yet. Yeah. And I think I that's agree. where it sets back. But I also, mm-hmm. I think Dogtooth is the most voyeuristic mm-hmm. of the films. Agreed. That, that's the film where it's like, should I even be seeing any I of these know. films? <laughs> and I th- I, obviously that exists in all his films. Like, there's two uncomfortable handjob scenes. <laughs> one in The Favorite and one in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Like, yeah. scenes like that. Like, that's ah, classic Yorgos. Another, uh, <laughs> it's like, should we be seeing any of these? But I, that's part of his thing, you know? It's like... We're not supposed to be seeing this, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we are, and it's uncomfortable, and but it still somehow makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, agree. Think, I, I think, think it's... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> oh I was going to say, oh, I think... Oh, double pass back. <laughs> I, I would say, I think, out of all of the films that I've seen, I've only seen three of his films, but I think my favorite story, and the one that, like... Because I was saying earlier how, like, after all of his films make you really think afterwards and like they stay with you for a very long time i think dogtooth is the one that has like constantly been like at the back of my head always like sometimes i think about it and i'm like oh wow and i think that one probably is one of his most thought-provoking films in my opinion and it Mm. kind of like makes me want to say i think that's like my favorite of his films not for cinematography, obviously, because, I mean, the other two that I've seen, they obviously excel, like, at that. But I think the story is so smart and fascinating, and it just, it's so crazy. And I remember just sitting and, like, staring at my wall for, like, 30 minutes after I watched it. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and I had to really sit and process it. I've never watched a film and then had to sit down and take time to, like, g- become back to human and, like, be chill after. <laughs> so I was like, this is... I'm... What? <laughs> Are you saying you turned into a dog? Basically. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I would have wanted to get out of my house instantly after I saw a dog tooth. Well, I didn't no, watch me it. me too. Like my parents' home. Oh, happily. That, that reminded me of how you how you brought it up for our uh, film his not film history film theory class to watch it because it's like during quarantine too, and I was like, God, this is such a horrible <laughs> a movie to watch movie. during quarantine. Because <laughs> you feel really like even I watched trapped. it before. I watched it before quarantine, like right before. Mm. So that's. <laughs> great i'm glad i didn't watch it during quarantine i feel like that would have hit a little bit different <laughs> but yeah um i <laughs> i've the first time i saw dogtooth it, dogtooth was the first movie i ever saw on canopy it's really funny it's like here's this educational website and i'm like wait here's a yorgos lanthimos film i think <laughs> <laughs> and the poster's like um the main girl bleeding oh my god they don't even have names they don't dogtooth. have names yeah Dude, they have dogtooth the is- eldest <laughs> Dogtooth the eldest is crazy. And Wait, and they don't it's have the, names it's in so um, smart. the lobster, too, though. They don't have names no, in the lobster. No, they don't. Either. They like, don't. Like, only some of them do. Names like are important. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rachel Weiss in the lobster is, like, short, or sight, or what is it? Short-sighted woman, if that's her name mm-hmm. in that movie. Oh, yeah, 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 that is. Oh, man. But, yeah, the lobster is kind of like Dogtooth with an expanded premise, and it's more about relationships than... yeah. Um, control within or influence 
But yeah, there's so many themes you can touch on with these films. Um, I know, 100%. I technically so have cool. Dogtooth rated the lowest on Letterboxd of all I of also them, do, which is I kind of bad. funny that I said I think it's my favorite <laughs> story. But, but I think, so I'm realizing now that I really like it, when I first watched it, I kind of just gave it like my average rating because I was like, I can't, I can't Process like, right it. now. Yeah, uh-huh. But I think after processing it over this very long period of time since i've seen it i really did like it i don't think i would rewatch it i don't think it's, it's a, a scary film I would rewatch. rewatch that i don't i don't think i ever want to rewatch it but i know <laughs> that it's such a good film and it's really smart it's very intelligent there's it's like oh i i and it consumed me and i just can't i don't think i've felt that way and that strongly about a film in a very long time so i would give it a higher rating than i have currently but i really mm. like it but i also really like the lobster as well and the favorite is also really good it's really hard <laughs> to pick between it's those tough. three mm-hmm. it's really hard and they are of course me. similar because he is um i i've probably brought up yeah i pitched the i pitched Dogtooth to our class <laughs> for like a viewing and I really wanted to subject everyone to this film. <laughs> how to be yes. Fun. But basically, my pitch revolved around how I saw uh, Yorgos as a modern-day auteur, and I think that's why mm-hmm. his, all his films, they really do, like, um, lead into each other because his distinct, um, this distinct style is so present in all of his films. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, cool. I um, agree. We could go into, I mean, I said it earlier, but do you guys have any nitpicks with The Favorite or any of the movies you've seen of it? Um, I could go. I've been talking a lot, but I'll just say this and then I can, like, stop for a second. Because um, mm-hmm. this, this nitpick kind of goes with all his films. And I mentioned this in my favorite review. Um, his style is so, like, it is kind of, like, low energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of makes it boring sometimes. But yeah. it, that's just kind of the beauty of it, you know? And even though, like, I'm taking out on points because, wow, this is kind of taking a while because these characters are spending 15 years to say three sentences. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that slow, but, you know, something like that. It's like, It seems yeah. like that. It's like, ugh, that's kind of slow. But in the end, like, it, it all seems to have... it all. They, they all have a satisfying payoff, and it all makes sense at the end. Even though... It is kind of like, eh, you know, where's this going? You know, I don't really yeah. know what the payoff will be. That's just kind of my nitpick with all his films. And I, I feel sad I haven't given any of them, like, five stars or something. But, you know, who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my nitpicks I, for all his movies. I definitely Sorry. agree with you, like, for sure, on that. I feel pretty much the same way about his style. Because I have found that when I've watched his films there has been moments where my mind kind of drifts away and I'm kind of just like okay what next (laughs) and I'm like (laughs) I kind of get a little bit a little bit bored not but like I agree I think that is part of the beauty of his films so then it kind of and whenever I finish the film I never remember those moments of when I was slightly Mm -hmm. bored Mm -hmm. like it doesn't come to me because his film overall is really impressive so but I would agree, though. On typically on the first watch of the f- of his films, I find that there's those moments where I'm a little bit more bored. But yeah, <laughs> I agree with that actually. Because sometimes I feel like maybe what the characters are saying or like what they're doing feels very like unnecessary, and I'm like, why am I watching this? Like I don't really feel like it. But then I realize like 
by the end that it was all part of their characterization or like the characterization of the world itself too so I feel like it was necessary but I will say <laughs> I think when because like I think because of that style too it's like he it's like very like it makes you feel anxious because it's very um like it is very low energy but you know something is gonna come eventually and then it's gonna like change the way you're seeing everything too and when I was watching um Killing of Sacred Deer I was actually really excited even in the really low energy parts because I was like remembering the lobster and I was remembering the favorite and I was like oh my god what's gonna happen like I was so excited to see what was gonna happen um I didn't feel that way about Dogtooth for some reason though I, I got like I'm not gonna lie I did get pretty bored with a lot of the parts in Dogtooth just because I felt like I I like knew kind of what was going on the entire time and I was just kind of like waiting for them to like reiterate it harder I think but it just kept bringing up like they kept pushing in like oh but this is happening and this is happening and I felt very like a lot of it was very irrelevant to me and I wasn't as engaged as I was with um the other three but it was still good and I still enjoyed it yeah uh, yeah I feel like it's because the Dautith is smaller scale but mm -hmm. I think it attacks its smaller premise from every possible angle you can think of yeah. even down to like language itself, music. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've said a lot, but <laughs> if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Dog Tooth yet, just go watch it. Please watch it. There's it's a lot really we haven't cool. said. I know. So, yeah. I yeah. I think yeah. Dog Tooth's one of those films that I'll always like remember. It really just stands out in my mind. And I think that's very admirable of it. Like, I, that's <laughs> not very often that a movie that I don't... Because I agree, when I watched Dog Tooth the first time, there were moments where I was pretty bored, and I was like, I don't... Meh. But then, at the same time, like JJ was saying, the endings are just so good, and then I was just so immersed in the ideas of the film and the themes, and it just... I think that's what made me love it. So, but... Cool. Um, we can end this off with favorite performances and favorite lines from any of oh his boy. films you guys can bring up. Um, I know I talked about um, it, mine's probably Emma Stone <laughs> in the favorite. That's my favorite. Oh my god. But you know, it is. It's my favorite performance of hers. It's so good. It's a masterclass in acting. But I will give a huge shout out to I just searched up his name and I forgot it. I think it's like Barry Cogan, something like oh. that. It's the guy oh, for in Killing of a Sacred Deer, mm -hmm. who plays the kid. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. uh, he's in um, Dunkirk. He's um, yeah, George. he's he's yeah, <laughs> he that one. Yeah. Oh, is he the, the kid that nobody likes? In what? Well, I don't in think Dunkirk? nobody likes him. <laughs> he's Wait, the kid in he's a little rude. Who, who's on the boat? He's the kid on the who just jumps on the boat. To yeah. Go with. Oh, I remember now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but you were talking. <laughs> but he's um. <laughs> <laughs> he's great in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, the way he seems to be so unstable and like you don't know what's up with him and it's like what's wrong mm -hmm. with this kid but at the same time he's in power. You can tell he has the power in every scene he is and he's, it's like what knowledge does he know? Ooh. Like how is he like why do I feel like I should be fearing this guy? And the subtleties in his performance are really great and the power dynamics in every scene down to just like eating spaghetti. It's great. <laughs> um great performance but yeah that those are my two performances from Yorgos films 
I agree. I think I would say Olivia Coleman was my favorite for the favorite. Just because I, I feel like Ditto. <laughs> everything like everything that she brought to the table literally created what like what Anne's character and sorry, what Abigail's character and like what Sarah's character like had to play with it too. And I feel like I wouldn't have felt the same if anybody else had done it any other way. Mm-hmm. So I think she's definitely my favorite for the favorite. And also, uh, I love Barry. I love Barry and um, sac- Killing of a Sacred Deer too because I just feel like I feel like characters like those two make me feel like if anybody else had changed the way that they had acted, I would have felt a very different tone in mm-hmm. the rest of the movie or a very different feel of power and dynamics and just like odd, weird dynamics that don't seem to make sense when you first look at it. Like him yeah. being friends with an like him being friends with a grown man, and then just like Queen Anne having these interesting relationships with like her servants and things too. So I just feel like both of them are very like pivotal characters to really like push you into those worlds. So I felt like both of those performances are the best for me. Like imagine if it was Timothy Chalamet and Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh I thought God! You were gonna say in the favorite <laughs> as Queen Anne, and I was like, what? <laughs> oh no! But oh my God! But I also, Olivia Coleman. I mean, come on. Come on. She's, yeah, she's <laughs> She great. definitely, she's, I love her. Um, but besides that, I think, um, honestly, like, shout out to everyone in Dogtooth, like, the family. Mm-hmm. They're so impressive. Because Dogtooth, to me, kind of felt like I was watching a documentary and not, like, a fictional film. That's how impressive mm. their acting was to me. It felt so un like it felt so real and unreal at the same time because like what, but I just felt like I was watching something that was actually happening, and I think a lot of it has to do with the actors. Like I felt like they were literally in this situation, and I had to like take a step back halfway through and go wait wait it- no it's it's fictional but I was it feels <laughs> so real and it feels so. They feel like these characters, and I'm blown away by that. And I definitely think that they all deserve a lot of praise for that because they're really good. I was very impressed. <laughs> um, I yeah, I definitely agree. They're all great. I just feel okay. like, um, yeah, I don't speak Greek, <laughs> so I'm sorry. And like, That's they're also, also true. and they're so equally amazing that none of them stood out in that. Film, exactly. Except, That's what I mean. Maybe. Like, it's hard for me to pick. Like, I wouldn't pick one because. It, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm choking. Oh my god, but um, I'm getting choked up. No, um, <laughs> but I feel like, and I feel like that's the point. Like they weren't really supposed to stand out like against each other, but at the same time, like really good, amazing mm-hmm. performances, incredible. But also, I yeah, I wish I when I watch foreign language films, it makes me sad because there's obviously <laughs> stuff written in there that I'll never get, like never little get. subtle things, mm-hmm. and it makes mm-hmm. me really upset, and it makes me want to like learn the language, but also I'm really lazy, so I will never do that. It makes me sad. <laughs> it's funny because oh, I don't want to. Okay, but like you know how the language aspect in Dog Tooth, yeah, it made me even more confused because I was like, wait, am I like? watching a wrong translation of this or something (laughs) (laughs) like i had to look up different versions of it and be like wait is this is this what's actually happening (laughs) and yeah 
Also, for, for best performances, I will say, I like, honorable mention for Rachel Weiss because I really like how sharp her performances tend to be oh, in these yeah. movies, what too. A, sharp is such a great word for a performance. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's so, it's so, like, snappy. It's so, like, simple, and she hits every single note every single time in both The Lobster and um, The Favorite for mm-hmm. me. And I just, I love the way she, like, speaks whenever she is saying something, too, because I feel very, I never feel confused. I'm always like, oh yeah, this is what her character is doing, that's what she's doing, that's how she feels. And it's, perhaps it's the way that her character has been written, but just like her delivery is so clean cut, like perfect, I love it. Um, I absolutely agree with that. That's such a great shout out. Um, her characters are also so different in The Favorite and Lobster. I think mm-hmm. in The Lobster, her character is really naive and is really like lonely and her line delivery is so great she's like the narrator (laughs) for the first half of that movie like oh god i am so lonely (laughs) she's so great she's so funny she's one of the funniest parts of that movie and in the favorite she has to like have that sense of command in every scene she's in and she's excellent and and she's kind of like the antagonist in a way but Mm -hmm. and by the end you're like oh obviously she's good she was doing good kind of even though she supported the war i don't know it's a whole it's a whole yeah thing. Great. you can talk about <laughs> that forever um i guess we'll just shout out colin farrell too because he's great in both his movies um <laughs> i think it's just his physical great. performance is great in the lobster um during this one scene where he has to run it's like it it reflects the way the people talk too because he has to escape from this scenario but he doesn't run like he's running for his life like in Get Out, like the guy who sprints towards, <laughs> um, I forgot the name, but um, he sprints like he like he's trying to stay like polite, but at the same time he's like so <laughs> fearful for his life, and just yeah. his physical performance there is great. It's a shout out to Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also, I love his accent. His accent is just great, and I feel like it works very well with like the monotony of the characters too. It makes it a little mm-hmm. like funnier to watch, but also it makes it feel. Like more interesting in a way yeah also i i kind of enjoyed that um both of his characters like his character in um killing of a sacred deer and in lobster are like they almost feel like they're related to each other like one is the brother of the other or something like that in, <laughs> i don't know something like they it feels like they're almost in the same universe with each other in some form by the way in a way yeah i can see yeah. that yeah i mean but in the lobster he actually does have a brother but, oh, that's right. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, and he's a dog. JJ. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Wait, know does that movie. does that relate to killing of a sacred deer? I don't know. Or is it just like, oh, he's a dog? No, oh, that doesn't I... relate to, to dog tooth. Mm, there's Eyes emoji. <laughs> but can I, uh, what you said about the cake thing blew my mind. That was great. Mm-hmm. Like but, the, oh, but yeah, I, that. That was so cool. i think the production design and it's not i don't know if it's even considered production design but in the lobster um there's always like when they're in the forests i don't want to say for what but there's (laughs) scenes in the forest and there are animals just walking in the background and they're Mm -hmm. like the most exotic animals ever you have like this giant humped camel and then you have this beautiful (laughs) peacock and it's it seems random but it completely makes sense and it's just details like that that's so amazing it really reflects like the, how much thought they put into the movies and it's always yeah. cool seeing like a random exotic animal in the background of a scene <laughs> and it makes sense like the characters don't even react to it but in the end it makes sense yeah 
Cool. Is that is that all we have to say about Yorko's Lanthimos? I story? guess so. I feel like we've reiterated just how great he is at world building and things. So definitely, he's great. I want to meet him so bad, but also I feel like I will crumble into a pile of nothing trying to talk to him. I agree. So he just uses <laughs> intelligence. Yeah. I, just, I I mean, this is unrelated, but I looked him up, and his dad's a basketball player, so that's fun. Oh. <laughs> For yeah. like for like the Greek national team or something. Yeah, like he's a famous uh, like player in Greece, so that's cool. Mm. Very cool. But yeah. that's it's not really related. It's a fun fact, though. Yeah, Greece mm-hmm. actually has some. Greece is growing in basketball. Like, I mean, technically, the best player in America right now is Greek. Do you guys know that? Really? Crazy. Wow, that's cool. His name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. That's his name, and he is the best basketball player right now. Yeah, Very interesting. Um, love that. I just, I just have two more things to say, I guess. Um, the opening mm-hmm. scene of The Lobster, fantastic. I mm. wanted to bring that up. Sets the tone. Very good. If, if, you had, if you know nothing about the film, it's like, what the hell is going on? I already had a sense <laughs> yeah. of the premise, so I kind of understood it when I first saw it, but completely makes sense. Um, great way to like dip someone's toes into that world. And um, to get just a quick taste of Yorgos Lanthimos, I like, I'd recommend his short film, Necktie. Um, I've, I think I've spoken to you guys about it before. It's only like two minutes long. It's on YouTube. And it's just a great, just a little capsule of his style. And um, yeah, it's just a nice little short film. And I call it a Yorgos Lanthimos poem. Because that's what it feels like to me. And it's, it's fun to watch. How it's poetic. <laughs> yeah. How poetic. That's cool. no, no, if you watch it, you're like, wow, that was kind of poetic. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I will, I'm interested now. I'll put that on my to-watch list. That's cool. Awesome. You have a watch list? No, in my brain. Drop the watch Not- list. <laughs> no. In my brain. I knew you were going to almost crack the code. <laughs> Dude, I like no. I've been looking for films to recommend. It's like what has Emma not seen I must know. Um, <laughs> but speaking of films you. to recommend. <gasps> Good segue. Unless you guys had anything else to say about your ghost. Uh, not really. He's okay, wonderful. Cool. I love you, Yorgos. <laughs> I, I know. Yorgos, you're so smart. I, I would, <laughs> I can never, I could never. I would That's die it. for I your brain. <laughs> like, the way you guys described how you would talk to him, it feels like you would speak like one of his characters if you ever met him. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, 100%, probably. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like for sure I'd say something really idiotic, like that time I was like, we took a production design class. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't Anyways. even explain that story. Don't even explain that story. <laughs> Any- yeah. Anyways. So. Yeah. Anyways. So. Next week, we have another guest, and I'm very excited <laughs> because he... It's I feel like every guest brings... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. I can't make it we just spend all podcast, this entire. Guys, sorry. <laughs> we just spend this entire pod just, like, gassing him up for the next episode. Um, no, but I, um, I can't... <laughs> I love that we have, like, every guest that we have had brings such a different vibe to the table, and I think that's mm-hmm. really valuable for us. But mm-hmm. um, our guest for next week is Dominic Heary. Heary, is that how you say his last name? Yes, yay! And, <laughs> yay. and our movies for next week are... Ooh. Ooh it's... Okay, ooh. so he originally wanted to, to watch the, like the original five Planet of the Apes movies, but I was like, that's a lot. 
I hate those movies. I'm so glad. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I told him that's a lot, so pick two. And he said, okay, oh, we're doing no. the first two. <laughs> so we're going to be doing Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes as our Okay, two the original two, right? That's very. You yes. had to be specific. So this yeah, the original is not... two, the 1968 and 1970 films. So not the Mark Wahlberg ones and not the James Franco <laughs> ones, but the <laughs> ones, the Charleston Heston ones, I think. Is that the actor in him? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Oh, Daniel the Hell, like basically. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I've never seen Oh, so. no. Emma, this is our second straight guest. I'm sorry. Have... I, why am I always against the guests? I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I really, I have a lot of... <laughs> That's interesting. I actually haven't seen them, so... Same. I'm, mm, I'm very interested. I was going to be to down watch... to watch all five, but also I was like, that's a lot to talk about. That so. is a lot. I'll try to watch more than that, but... Oh, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the new <laughs> Planet of the Apes trilogy. The Do you like it? Or, uh, yeah, I think they're solid. Emma doesn't... She's shaking, Emma's shaking her head <laughs> now. Like oh, no. I'm sorry. You don't like Gollum <laughs> as Ape Caesar? No? What? Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't Andy hear what Serkis. you said. So. Oh, sorry. Andy Serkis plays Caesar, the main ape in the yeah, new trilogy. I, He's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you just have some? Okay, you know what? We can talk about this next week. Yeah, I know. Fine. We'll talk about this for sure. Week. We'll I'm excited end. to see how this goes. <laughs> I'm excited too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know if I'll like the movies either. What if we might all end up hating the movies? <laughs> oh, that would be so sad. Uh, oh, no. It's okay, it'll be another respectful discussion. It'll be great. Also, I feel like Dom, Dom always has a lot of, like, really valuable stuff to say about movies, I think, that are very Truth. interesting. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, cool. I'm excited. Cool. Exciting. Exciting. All right. How exciting. Well, I will now exile Craig. Bye, Craig! (laughs) Bye, Craig! Ooh! And we can just post pictures or memes. (laughs) Or like, (laughs) you know, like a film enthusiast, Parvati's favorite page. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) What? (laughs) I like the, I like the one where they have the colors. Oh, me too. The the, the color palette cinema. The color palette, yeah. I love that one because that's always it's like so I love 